0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.
1: It's got
0: hair. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode. Uh, we were talking about different countries just before we started recording. That is why I went into the Fonds but welcome no, no, to Ka-
2: all of Kyle's sentences have been in was by accident already this today you was for them do
0: i haven't done anything at all you just we said you went into the bit... fonz i was into the fonz we were a bit more ju- we you were a bit more joy to be on if you, if you think about the fonz was so weird cuz like it was a f- like 30 or 40 year old hanging out with high school kids that nowadays would just be all sorts of red red lights and fucking warnings. I'm just called Arthur. Nobody's called Arthur before the City. That's
1: <laughs> not parked over the board.
0: <laughs> Arthur.
1: There's another parked that... over the road from jail.
0: <laughs> you. know, no, there's someone like, like parked yeah. in
1: my spot. I could I could get I can get a fan in there. It's just um He's gone, Sheldon. There is it's my
0: spot. <laughs>
1: someone is parked in my spot. But because like obviously I've been at work since like seven o'clock this morning. And um, it's gonna be hard to park. I've had an, like an early hour drive to get home. to park. You it's so
2: only you just get out with your phone in the middle of the street? <laughs> <walking in>. Basically, <laughs> I have. Wouldn't <laughs> surprise
1: would, Yeah, I would not be surprised, honestly. <laughs> apparently, my street is gonna uh, really exciting because, like, out the back now is a massive fist fight, and oh, the, sorry, i in, all the yeah. here. Do the street like we have a like a premiere at the bottom of the street? you just go yeah. down turn left onto the main road, turn right and there's a premier and there's a fish shop next door to it and that's on fire or one of the shops now is on fire because there's fire There was a fire engine there before
2: or oh, i can come back to fire but i was gonna say what's special about here is about loads of people pile into the same house on a friday and they all get pissed together because they're good friends uh-huh. and then at some point it's usually about one in the morning they'll all come outside and have a massive fight and
1: shout and argue with each other and slag each other off. Oh, that happens, that that happens, happens daily.
2: Our half an hour, then they all go back into the same
1: house. I don't understand. And that happens daily. At our, at our house, they'll party <laughs> until like 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. At 4 o'clock in the morning, they'll all come outside having a massive argument. And our argument will go on until 8 o'clock in the morning. Then they'll go in and yeah. sleep. But they've got a fucking kid uh, there.
0: Yeah, you. I, don't, I, I don't get it when people like do that with kids, though. Yeah. I could talk to you about the Great Fire of London since Jay mentioned fire. No. God What about the Great Fire of London? Apart from the fact that the posh people basically abandoned the poor people. Or well, just decided it wasn't that serious and then got burned alive in the houses because they were like, It's not that serious, it won't reach across the river and then so, it reached across the river.
2: Yeah, so the Great Fire of London started on the second of oh, September at about one AM, sixteen sixty six. Uh, in Thomas Farner's uh, Bakehouse on Pudding Lane, right, um, London was reduced to ruin more than 13,000 houses, 87 churches, and 44 livery halls were destroyed, uh, and the historic city gates were wrecked, and the guild halls in Paul's Cathedral, uh, Barnard's Castle, uh, Castle, and the Royal Exchange were severely damaged, in some cases beyond repair. So, at last, uh, Six days, I think it was, wasn't it? Or was it from the second to the sixth? It was
0: four days. It was a few days anyway. However, I, I, uh... I think it was I think it was four days. I think it was sort of like over the course of an extended weekend type thing.
2: Yeah. So, uh, the Great Fire London, first of all, did not start on Pudding Lane. It didn't. Uh, the bakehouse wasn't on Pudding Lane. It was um, through the uh, half tax records created just before the fireplace, before the fire. Uh, Foreigners Bakehouse uh, was placed on Fish Yard, which is a small enclave off Pudding Lane.
0: Didn't um, didn't he reopen the bakery as well once like the once the rebuilding and everything was done, he basically just reopened the bakery again.
2: <laughs> pretty much, yeah.
0: Um
2: and uh there was mass reports of like oh London's been levelled and stuff like that. It, it tore down so many buildings it raised it to the ground. Uh but it didn't. Uh, a lot were minorly fire damaged and just had to be pulled down to be rebuilt because they weren't safe to reuse. Um, and yeah. finally, uh, there are reports from Samuel Pepys, who famously went and burned his Parmesan cheese. Uh, uh, Pepys' diary, he kept a, a, a very detailed diary uh, and he actually got there a few days after the fire had broke out um, and advised um Henry, uh, th- the king at the time, basically, look, you need to, basically, he said, knock some houses down to create, like, a fire break. Yeah. And obviously, the king was like, well, I'm not going to do that. Um, and so the fire, actually, the reckon burned for, like, months. It burned for about four or five months. Uh, but it was mm-hmm. just a slow, continuous.
0: It's because they it just didn't, didn't cause any sort of barrier for it or, like, stop it. Like the Russians do when they just decide, right, what we're going to do is use controlled explosions to stop these fires. Yeah. And some places in Australia is doing the same. I love the fact, though, that because there was no health and safety or safety regulations when it took there to be a giant fire in the city for them to look at the houses and go, actually, these aren't safe to live in.
2: Yeah, basically.
0: But, well, you know. It took uh, them inspecting for major fire damage from one of the biggest fires in London ever to actually go you know what, people are living in squalor, let's build better houses. Uh, It wasn't the only fire that year, I mean, that
2: peeps was also in London when he documented Mm -hmm. that um, somebody lighting a match or something had dropped some spark onto some straw and a fire broke out, they feared it was going to be like the Great fire all over again, everyone rushed to it and the managed to put it out within an hour, uh, quote, without incident or injury.
0: Yeah the one of the things i love reading about is things that happened on the same day as these great events because yeah. everybody knows about the great fire london or like certain bits and pieces but what a lot of people don't know is that there'll be things that happen on the exact same day that will just be overshadowed by it or but will be like much worse or like amazing like there was massive just dis- i can't remember which event it was mm. but there was massive discoveries made that basically changed how we live today, but it wasn't reported upon because there was a natural disaster in the same country, like in a city further down. But because it was such a massive disaster, just nothing got reported on for the massive discovery. Yeah, because the disaster took all the front page
1: news and everything.
0: It's um, so, us, us so us
1: British don't believe, um, believe in hindsight.
0: No, it's us British don't believe in good news. We only ever report bad news because our news stations are twats. So anybody who, mm-hmm. anybody who is bored out there, this is to the listeners, the watchers, everything like that. If you get bored, just look up big disasters in history, like the Great Fire of London or th- things like that. A big siege battle or something like that. And then oh, have a, a look, at, si- look for events that happened at the same time. So, like for instance, look at the Battle of Agincourt, and then see what other events happened at the same time. Because I can guarantee you'll have the Battle of Agincourt, but at the same time, in some other country, there will be some amazing thing that happens that just got completely overshadowed. Or similar to the Great Great Fire, there will be something amazing that happened somewhere else.
2: Don't get me started with the French. I can look back to them later on. If we, I mean if we... we can look back to anything
0: we want. We can. So uh, we'll see. if we
2: can keep an asteroid flowing. So if anybody's got anything about fires or the news or historical events, yeah, then uh, feel I will. Free I, link.
0: I will. So sort of keep with the theme of different countries and disasters and stuff because this yeah. is a funny disaster. It's to do it with a uh, Queensland Zoo in Australia. Oh, the upside doom people. <laughs> <laughs> That's Jordan's. That's Jordan's
1: racist statement for the night, right, doesn't it? I, no, just for Australia? Can that I make a point out? Country. Yes. Can I point out <laughs> right. um, this is going on, following from Jordan's racism. Right? This is. I got this. I was sitting down <laughs> doing fuck all <laughs> the other we'll day. Just <laughs> from Jordan's racism. From Jordan's racism about the Australians. <laughs> what, the who's really down? upside down? Are we upside is, down or they upside down? Because it's racist end? when it's a fact though. No, it's it can't be really a media fact. I take these into they the upside down, though. They're on the bottom. I've seen the no, globe. Someone just moved from me, from me spot. I can park my car now. <laughs> right, I mean,
0: I, I feel like I feel like if you're actually going to be upside down, like if you want to look at a globe and go right there, the people that are upside down, you'd have to go to the people that are in the Antarctica, wouldn't you? Which well, one's the top and which one's the bottom? Is it the Arctic or the Antarctic? Antarctic's at the center. Neither is
1: at the top or at the bottom. It is, we're on a slant. We're always on some sort of equinox. Yeah, we're I, we're, I know. We're we're not on straight, road, it's,
0: if 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 you always if you look at like an actual globe, because most people just go off a globe. If you look at a globe, Antarctica is always at the bottom because it's the globe's sat so that it's like that. That's I racist. Right. That when i that. What I've put go, Facebook go, go.
2: in Australia that we are the right way up <coughs> and they're upside down.
1: Just because you fucked up Facebook.
0: <laughs>
1: right, um, going off on Jordan's point, our our eyes see upside down anyway. Yes, I do. It just inverts it. Yeah, our that brain that... inverts the knowledge. Our, our brain it? In, in inverts. The, our brain in. Our brain in. My brain. Our brain, brain in is, in? Our, my brain in is not working. Our brain in just flips the image. I haven't got a brain. <laughs> our brains. Brain, no.
0: <laughs> we brains. no longer have brains. We've got brain in. <laughs> it's so almost like the we Irish upside equivalent.
1: down. That's, no, that's what, not,
0: we're not upside down because I've got a lot of blood in my head. That's how you know. Honestly, like, I love this. Is one of the things I love about the human body is the fact that it has weird quirks like this. Like, how did people figure out that your brain inverts the picture? These are the types of things I love about humanity, is that we discover the most stupid, random shit in trying to understand ourselves. Right. And we Did still don't someone's know everything just... to do with the human So, body. Uh,
2: hold on, before we carry on a misconception, what we see, so that what you see now, when I'm speaking it ah. correctly up, that is right, that is Coming. what we're seeing. What happens is your eyes see Coming. the light that bounces off that, and the way your eyes pick it up is upside down. So you it's, like, not... it's
0: like it's it's sort of like when you try and take a picture in a mirror, everything's flipped. It's like that, but it's yes. also flipped yes.
2: that way. That's how your eyes work. Your brain gets that information and knows that hold on, my feet aren't on the ceiling and flips it the right way in your brain. So your eyes yeah. pick it up upside down, but you're not so it's not that your eyes see correctly and then your brain flips it upside down. Like where the sort of what we think, it's the fact that your eyes literally pick it up upside down.
1: Yeah, yeah, but our brains it's, will not uh, feel on the ceiling. Our feet are always on the ground, though. Yes. No, but,
0: but it's... it's but you sort know what of, I mean. <laughs> it's, it's sort of the reason why you can put on things like... You can literally buy glasses that make everything go upside down. And if you wear them for long enough, if you wear them for like a couple of hours, your brain adjusts to make it look like it's the right way up. So you get so used to it that you no yeah, longer feel like yeah. you're upside down. You feel like you're the right way up. Because your body just adjusts to it. Your brain just goes... Oh okay, this is what the signal says. Let's just so it sort of undoes it. It undoes what it's doing. It sort of stops inverting it in your head and just yeah. makes it. What so you're your saying? brain
2: your brain instinctively knows after a little while of saying it and working it out and judging by the way you're moving that this is the way that this picture should be. So it doesn't matter what you do optically, as long as you get yeah. a picture your brain will eventually go right, okay, it needs to be this way.
0: I'm assuming it's something to do with the pressures in your brain. Like I'm assuming it, it sort of senses the build-up of pressure, the b- well. build-up of pressure in your head, and your focus and everything, and realizes, right, there's too much pressure here. That means something's wrong. Let's figure out what's wrong. Oh, we we'll must be upside down. I
2: think. I think no. I think it's more simplistic than that. I think it's like if you think about moving your hand. If you move your hand up, your your brain is telling your hand to move up, and it's a different part of your brain that's processing the image of it. So if you're upside down and you need to grab a hold of something, you know what it's like when you've when you've wore glasses and make it look like you're upside down or stuff like that, or you're doing something in a mirror, like you said, it it's, you always go the wrong way and you can't work it out. But your yeah. brain will eventually be like, hold on, that's going backwards, that's going the wrong way, and it will work it out.
0: Yeah, it's like it's to be honest, it's like when we're doing stuff on this camera. Like I'm dreading the day when we've got a heads-up display for streaming and stuff because you you can never point to the right direction. Like you instinctively <laughs> point to the wrong thing. Because you know that the little red dot should be in that corner, but it's not. It's in that corner.
2: It's in that corner.
0: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> John's pointing the cross. You both pointed at the cross, you see. Oh, see, I'm pointing at the dot for me. The dot's there for me. The dot's in no, the see, cross. there, there. Me. The, 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 the dot's <laughs> on the... The dots on the dots on that side, the crosses on that side. So whenever you cross your body, you're pointing at the wrong. You're pointing at the wrong thing if you're using, if you're using your right hand. Your right hand has to cross your body in order to point to it. But for some reason, it's like my image, my right hand, my right is on my left. For you two, your rights are on mm. your right as normal. It's like yeah, my camera's <laughs> inverted compared to you guys. Or to Why? You? I don't know. But it's a it's a kale camera. <laughs> Oh, Jay's give up. Jay has well, given no, up on no, that.
1: I'm I'm giving up. I'm just doing work on the phone, that's all. Uh, like... <laughs> I,
0: thought he, I thought he was about to say he's just researching, but I love the casual pose of just... Yeah, I've just seen him yeah. in the background
2: pondering
0: whether I to taught myself or not. I'm just <laughs> pondering for work, that's all, guys. Yeah. Honestly, I think we just all need medieval outfits at some point because that was the perfect pose for just someone smoking a pipe with a scroll going, hmm, yes.
2: Well, we're on the, we're on the uh, subject of
0: Australia. Yes,
2: because right. we need found, to go back to it. I have found in Richmond, Tasmania, and I will link this into our chat. Are you ready for Hold this? Hold
0: is, is Tasmania part of Australia? Yes.
2: Yes, well, it's not just a made up thing for louis <laughs> No, <laughs> I always thought it was like devil. it's
0: No, I always thought it was its own island and it was like part of its own country. I didn't realise it was part of Australia. Australia. In the it same way part of
2: that islands part of us and the Shetlands.
0: I thought they got independence. I thought Tasmania was its own country. No. 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 Anyway. Yeah. Would you like to look at the Poezeum? No, I wouldn't like to look at the Poezeum. <laughs> look
2: at the of the penguins doing a poo on its logo. Oh why?
0: my god! a
1: penguin, a poo and a logo.
0: Yes. Why is there such a thing as a poo a museum?
1: Poo There is literally
0: a fucking poo
1: Scroll down. The look. Pe- oh dear
0: god. <laughs> <laughs> How good is that? <laughs> right. Right. I'm, I'm worried with the fact that it's got poo new. It's got a picture of a bear, <laughs> a picture of a cow, a picture of a rainbow, and then a picture of cheese and grapes.
2: Cheese and grapes. Do you know what else, Kyle? Just above that, it is a little interactive and educational treasure. I must say, I don't want to be interacted with the Poohsian.
0: Apparently, there's such a thing as poo cheese. (laughs) See? That's what the the cheese one is. In Sardinia, there's Um, poo cheese. Poo facials are available in Australia. So that's going back to Australia. Uh, Throwing cowpats is a sport. And not all yeah. paper is made from trees, so next time you write something, remember, you could be writing on poo. Ooh, poo can cause skill fires, I didn't know that.
2: Termites get group... killed by deadly farts, good news. My office will never be infested with termites. <laughs> Wait,
1: you, think, you think that's bad? What? Wait, you're, saying, you're questioning why the hell is there a poo-seum poo in there? I am not questioning it, I'm loving it. I'm questioning who thought that idea of a Pusium was a good one. Right, you're questioning it. Keep an eye on the screen, guys. You're you're questioning it, right? Iceland has something better than a Pusium. I think you know where he's going. He's on the penis museum.
2: He's on the penis museum. I
1: knew you were going to do that.
2: I knew you were going to do that.
0: You see, I can sort of understand the penis museum because there's there's traditions in some countries that literally have, like, phallic rituals and stuff. But poo? Come you know, on. You
1: fellas, um, his penis is displayed in this museum. <laughs> Rasputin. Rasputin. Rasputin.
2: Rasputin.
0: <laughs> He's still talking about the poo museum at the same time, <laughs> Rasputin. <laughs> he, was, he was making Rasputin liverpoolian. Rasputin. Rasputin. <laughs>
1: Oh hi! I like how it was in here. <laughs> God Kyle, don't ever do that again. Yeah, don't. <laughs> <laughs> was it That's, bad like how. Don't talk in different language. I it. I, I love how he's, into, he's, he's doing. An, he's doing a scouse, a, a bad scouse accent yeah. in a Geordie dialect. <laughs> yeah.
0: What
1: do you mean in a Geordie dialect? Just because I'm adding
0: how at the end.
1: Yeah, like how. Yeah.
0: Scousers do that as well. It's just more annoying. I Plenty's plenty. Because
1: like... they all speak like this. They all sound like they've got Excuse fucking Excuse me noses. like may... who, mate. Who want a gun for a paint. Have you, noti- uh,
0: have you ever noticed? Have you ever noticed loads of people from Liverpool just sound like, one, either they've got a blocked nose or two, the voice has been raised a couple of decibels because, like, it's high-pitched. I've uh, never met a I...
1: low-pitched Liverpoolian. No, Liverpoolians speak like they're constipated 24-7. Liverpool and that's our, that's our listenership in Liverpool gone. We have a listenership <laughs> in Liverpool. We have a listen- we, we, we've We had a quite big listenership in Liverpool, like 200 people. We've got Bintip listening listened to it. Oh, fuck! Oh, sake.
2: It must have been a good week. They must have stole a lot of... Uh, they must have stole a lot of
1: uh, stereos to listen mm-hmm. to it. Wait now They can't like, North... get Anfield anymore, so... I love how no one realizes that Jordan's casual Jordan's having a good day today. You can tell Jordan's in a good mood just for the amount of he's racism. Talking. No, it's not he's no, it's talking. talking. It's racism. the amount of racism that's coming quick out of the ball. I and... love
0: the fact that Jordan's room's slowly gotten darker during the period he's been on camera. It's like the racism's increasing, but he his room's getting darker and darker, so it looks like he's getting more and more talent. No, be... It's like he's yeah, fading he's... into darkness until eventually it's just a voice in the dark insulting people. <laughs> I've sent you a links. You found the toilet museum.
2: I have found the, toil- the Sula-
0: I have found toilet. Found the Sulan toilet museum. I've also found
2: Cancun Underwater Museum. <coughs> <Huh>. um, underwater <coughs> Museum? What? Where? You will need a scuba suit to experience these 400 subquatic sculptures, all clo- all done in the clearest waters in the world of Cancun. Merely look I for the Museo do. Su- do
0: I want to do an underwater museum tour. I want to I want to learn how to dive and learn how to like scuba dive and stuff. So I want to do like Would you like to I would love would to investigate shipwrecks like? and stuff.
1: Weird would you like
2: Britain's entry heroic entry into the strange museum world? No.
1: Uh, this, I, mean...
0: I, fe- I feel like we have quite a few considering we've got yes. really shit museums in some places. Yes,
1: but I, I, this, uh, this, this
2: would not, this I'm would not
0: happen. I'm just we've got the Imperial War Museum, because I love that place. This would not happen anywhere else in the world other than Britain. Just okay, right now. I'm waiting on it. I'm waiting on
2: I'm, it. I'm trying to copy it, but it's been it's been even the website's pedantic.
0: You wanker! I'm
1: is I'm waiting on you. I am enjoying these um, museum Burgle. websites, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I like a good music. Low oh, no World! <laughs> I go pass a sign for like that. It's on Shakespeare Street. I
0: know. What? Uh, why couldn't there be a shit? If If you're gonna build a museum on somewhere called Shakespeare Street, make it a fucking writing museum or something, for God's sake. I hate it, it when it, people it have Belgium. no sense of area like that. If, you, if you've got somewhere like Shakespeare go Street, make it a fucking writing museum. If you've got it, somewhere it, called it. fucking, I don't know, you. Verdun you it. Street, make a fucking war museum. Just make it
1: relevant. Do you know that damn um, oh, Shakespeare, Shakespeare's birthday Happy birthday Shakespeare in Wilkeshire. It's happy birthday to my dad as well. Yeah, happy, happy birthday, birthday
2: Andy. He's, he's got more to us than Shakespeare has. And it's St. George's and Day. he secretly to us,
0: yes. He <laughs> is. we were pointing out that we could tell it to my dad's picture because of the frame. Because <laughs> he uses that frame for every fucking picture.
2: And, it's, and like I say, St. <laughs> well, George's Day where we're celebrating a person that wasn't even English, that didn't even step foot in England.
1: And he didn't kill the dragon. <laughs> he was. And he was a Muslim Turk. Yes, he was Turk. Yeah. Sorry, English people. You celebrate a saint, Saint George, who was not named George. He was Muhammad. He was a Muslim. He basically, he was a, fair enough, he was a mayor, anyway. And he was from the East, he was Turkish. You know, the reason why he became our patron saint. He was Turkish, but he's (laughs) also the
2: patron saint of shitloads more countries than us.
1: Because um, he, was, he, he, was just a, he was a was nice guy. Yeah. And well, why are flags fuck? named after them?
0: If... Why the fuck is there a museum of broken relationships? Isn't that awesome? <laughs> How do you make a museum of broken relationships? Is it just a bunch of engagement rings that people didn't want anymore?
2: I don't know, but there was a, one of the exhibits is an X ax It's just an axe and it says next to it, this is an X ax And then I didn't read it because I wanted to send you some link because I got excited. She Almost was like the first woman that would
1: let me move in with her. Oh, people actually, they give out um, things. That do, yeah. People donate stuff that their partner's left behind when they move out after a breakup. <laughs> oh, dear. There's a
0: book in the shop called Stories More Exciting Than Yours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, a uh, collection of an ex acts.
2: I'm going to read about the x She was the first woman that I let move in with me, all my friends, so I needed to learn to let people in more. A few months after she moved in, I was offered a travel to the US. She could not come along. At the airport, we said goodbye in tears, and she was assuring me she could not survive three weeks without me. I returned off for three weeks, and she said I fell in love with someone else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bitch. Right. I've known her for just four days, but I know that she can give me everyth- anything that you cannot. Also, it's a, it's a guy.
0: Uh, Yeah, and
2: it goes on Uh, The axe was promoted to a Oh, she took the trash and left my bottom for good The axe was promoted to a therapy instrument So basically he axed the shell everything she left and then took the axe to the museum
0: <laughs>
2: That's but just Oh, there's a map as well so you can see where they
1: donated from That's like there's the top end f- of the homepage I don't yeah, think there's I, anything I, I right from England it.
0: Uh, are there any from England? Not that I can see. There
2: are 2,456 break-up pins on the map. 656 of them are from LA. 900 of, uh, of them are from Zagreb. So they're apparently the two most uh,
0: popular locations Zagreb and dates. LA. You know, I mean, LA, I can, LA, I can sort of understand, because it's full of wankers. I mean, <laughs> it's America, so...
2: Right. You see, uh, if Jordan
0: can be racist towards people, I can be racist towards Americans.
2: That's my stick. Kyle. Shall, shall I make Jordan more racist? Go for it. Jordan? Yes? What sport do you play at like a semi-professional level that you love and is a big part of your life? Cricket. And what nation's your favourite? Not the French. No, it is the French. Come on. Play along. Bunch of, bunch of French sure cricket is a form of cricket... That creates a game similar to catch. The game can played socially, picnics, or parties, or benches. It's an ideal form of crick- cricket that can include children of varied ages. Not all tis- participants need to be fully involved, and the spectators can make a catch and have a bat informally. So I've read about the rules of it. It's basically, some French people, right, have got a the they get a cricket bat, and they stand like facing the bowler with their legs closed. The bowler, instead of having a wicket, has to hit the legs to get them out. And then you don't bat. You, you start with the bat in front of your legs and scoop the ball up. So it's the most retarded version of cricket I've ever seen. It's basically the French have not only managed to ruin cricket, but they've managed to ruin quick cricket. Right. So basically... No, so basically...
0: no. Stefan, you yes. should like it because it's a sporting way of you have to hit a Frenchman in the legs with a piece of wood.
2: No, but it's not because it's not even what they use at tennis ball, I think, most of the time.
0: Well, you can still hit a Frenchman in the legs and just say it's right. for the sport.
2: There is one batsman. The objective is not to be dismissed by the other participants who are fielders or a baller. The opposition of the ball, because that need be clarified. Apparently, uh, <laughs> the objective for the other participants is dismiss the batsman like cricket. There are only two methods of dismissal: being caught or being LBW. But there are no stumps. This method of dismissal is affected by a ball ball hitting the batsman's legs, legs typically below, below the knees. Once a batsman is dismissed the other participant, who took participant, participant, who took the catch or affected the LBW, typically replaces them as a batsman. So it's a quick cricket, except they don't even have a wicket; they just use the fucking legs. <sighs> so, uh, yeah, exactly.
0: That's the best part—you can just hit a Frenchman in the legs. So yeah, yeah. so batsmen um, for the sport. So basically, yeah. so
2: basically, they should call it a Game of Surrender. Basically, I don't, I don't know. It doesn't. It's. The batsmen stand stationary with the bat protecting their legs, their legs being the stumps of formal cricket. Whichever uh, whichever other player has the ball, throws it at the batsman, attempting to dismiss him by hitting their legs. If the batsman hits the ball, the other participants may also dismiss the batsman by catch. Uh, The type of equipment is not restricted to cricket equipment, but there are only two two items used. The ball is typically a tennis ball, balled underarm at the legs of another player holding the cricket bat. Or a tennis racket, or some other object that can be used like a cricket bat. So most of the time, they don't even use a fucking cricket bat. They don't use anything. to don't cricket.
0: The French hurt my. The French hurt my brain. It's fucking fantastic. It's a sport in which they've tried to copy another sport, completely fucked it up, and just made their own rules. And now it's just devolved into whatever the fuck they fancy. Do do they
2: wear white? Because they may get confused and think they're wearing a white flag. Do you know what? mean, i will just French. equipment is most commonly played by children. That tells you everything you need to no? know. Right? They are was... like, "Well, fuck this game up so much. We might as well just let the kids play it and leave them alone." Or mixed groups of children and adults. Adults sometimes play the the game as an event diversion during an outdoor parties or on picnics. The game is play if the game is played more seriously. So if you were serious enough to take a totally fucked up, unrecognisable version of cricket, serious enough to treat it like a cricket match, you can take turns to bat and the player who has batted for the most balls for the longest time is considered the winner. That is not how cricket works. <laughs> I don't understand. Take to be seriously. Honest, uh,
0: to be honest, I feel like I understand this sport more than actual cricket. <laughs> I mean, it's a lot less complicated, <laughs> but that's because
2: children play it.
0: Yeah.
1: How does it Kyle just wants to play the sport to hit people. Kyle just wants to yeah, the balls.
2: Kyle just wants to bully some children and it would be sport. <laughs> no, no,
1: Kyle, hold on. <laughs> Kyle's gonna go to work. Kyle's gonna go go to work on Monday, but like kids, we're gonna teach you cricket. cricket with a cricket bat. With a cricket bat, and he's gonna be like. The kids be looking at, but are you our IT help person? Nobody. Nope. Yeah, he has a on
2: the face, for playing French cricket. Bitches.
1: <laughs> That's the, Jordan. You should. You should contact the school you got fired from. You didn't. You didn't abuse Yeah, you were bored. You
2: were French cricket. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: was. I was. I was playing football actually, but never mind. It's Could French. I don't they that. don't understand the difference between a football and a cricket ball. <laughs> And it was a tennis ball. Uh,
0: yeah. So, yeah. We'll, we'll love you, mate. Right. Um, can I sidetrack from that onto another sport? Mm. Uh, you can.
2: I forgot I had another link to Poo Fact, but that's fine. Okay, yeah. we'll go Stop back to Poo facts.
0: shit. Huh? Apparently, this episode's just about random shit, including shit itself. <laughs> including it's actual
2: shit. But this oh. next one's a good one. It's better than the Poozian.
0: Uh, this is to do with the Lond- Los Angeles Marathon. Yeah. Uh, and it's the, um, the rabbit in marathons. It's called the rabbit. It's basically the person who sets the pace. The front, the front of the race, you know? The forerunner. Uh, yeah, well, it's appa- this is the story that the rabbit simply kept going and going piss, right? and going and going. Utah's Pilkington was oh. expected to set the pace and then drop out, but he couldn't find a reason to stop. He was paid to run fast, but not too fast. He was paid to run far, but not too far. Quick but harmless, Paul Pilkington was known to Los Angeles marathon runners Sunday as the rabbit. Somebody else was supposed to win. For oh, so $3,000... Was... Sorry,
2: 3000 so... 000... Sorry, yeah, go. Yeah, no, sorry. So... Uh... Just before you carry on, so he was paid by the event organizers to set pace so that nobody got carried away at the beginning. Like how in the yep. Olympics, sometimes you just see someone sort off and then the fuck did everyone passes him? So, yeah. so he wasn't part of the marathon, he wasn't supposed to win. Yeah. Right, okay, sorry, go on.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, he's just the pace set, alright? Yeah. Uh, somebody else was supposed to win. For $3,000, Pilkington was supposed to quit. But with nearly a two-minute lead and 10 miles remaining, Pilkington's legs had other ideas. (laughs) Or was that his pride? Whatever, the rabbit pulled a marathon out of his hat. Delighting (laughs) spectators and shocking elite runners by refusing to quit as expected after 15.5 miles, American Pilkington led from the start and hung on to win the ninth annual race by 39 seconds over Italy's Luca Bozzaghi. On a cool, cloudy morning, Pilkinson led the nineteen thousand competitors over the twenty-six point two mile course. So it's twenty-six point two miles altogether. He was meant to drop out and stop being the pace setter at fifteen miles, and he just decided, "Nah, I've only got ten miles left to go. I might as well just finish it." Right, I've seen marathons, and they've got like TV cameras and stuff like that. Usually
2: on like mopeds and cars. There's medical cars driving along beside them. Yeah. You, nobody could have just pulled up in front of him. and went, hold on, mate.
0: Nope. Uh, apparently, he <laughs> led them over the course in two hours, 12 minutes, and th- 13 seconds, the fourth fastest winning time in race history.
2: <laughs> He's like, I'm here for the record.
0: Yeah. I the three grads. <laughs> he was joined in, the f- in front of the Coliseum about 16 minutes later by an emotional Olga Appel Running only nine days after becoming a United States citizen, Appel won the women's race by nearly nine minutes to chance of Go USA. So one of you, search Olga Appel, see when she won the women's race, and that will tell you when this race took place, so you can see whether they would have had the televised mopeds or not. Olga Appel, Olga Appel,
2: uh, I do have it, yeah. Um, do, 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 do. Uh, best known for won gold medal in the women's marathon at the 1991 Pan American Games in Havana, Cuba.
0: So, yeah, so this says... Oh, no, it says in
2: 1994. Oh, no, hold on. Yeah, so it says... Uh, yeah, sorry. So, uh, she ran at the 92 Summer Olympics the following year, I failed to finish. She competed for Mexico until February 25th, 1994, at which point she... Switched allegiance to the United States. She represented her adopted country at the 1996 Summer Olympics.
0: So, yeah, this one's the 1994. So, it's... Yeah. She apparently won the 1994 one, uh, becoming... Uh, the, the USA Cross-Country Championships in ninety four. Yeah. So, this was the rabbit at the time in 1994, and it was a... Uh, Apparently, Mm. it was the first time in nine years that the men's and women's winners in one of the big three marathons, whether it's New York, Boston or Los Angeles, were US citizens at the time of the race. (laughs) It was also the first time in recent memory, I don't know whether it's recent memory as in today or recent memory as in back then, uh, that the second place finisher was convinced he had finished first. I mean, you could be though, wouldn't you? Because, of course... By any sort of standards, you would think that the wouldn't count the actual mar- marathon uh, pace setter to be allowed to win, but for some reason they just said fuck it, he's Barnett and he's competed and he's set it, he's in the top four record holders. Let's just do it.
1: I don't know about uh, you, but last time I heard the Boston marathon was explodingly fun. I don't no, know. Jay.
0: Oh for fuck's sake. <laughs> it took me a second uh, man. Yes, I know. Uh, Bozagi, the uh, pre-race favourite, fell so far behind Pilkington during the final miles that he could no longer see him. I can't he take this seriously
2: because pi- I can't just see Carl Pilkington run a marathon I know. in my head.
0: He fi- he figured Pilkington had dropped out of the race as promised, so he slowed <laughs> down, so he couldn't. See the, he was so the, far ahead, the thought he'd left. <laughs> Yeah, he was so far ahead that the person who came in second thought he had dropped out. Like, he was meant to 10 miles back a- ago, so he started slowing down to conserve his energy because he thought he doesn't need to catch him anymore, so he just gave him a bigger gap. <laughs> by the by, the time Bazagi crossed the finish line, he had already chosen the colour of his new car. He raised his arms and he smiled. He was wondering where all the cameras would, were when a silver medal, medal was draped around his neck. <laughs> he then learns that the athlete who was paid only to set a fast pace and block the wind for the better runners actually kept running. He's quoted by saying, I thought the rabbit had dropped out. Nobody told me, told me he was still running. I thought I won. Uh, I was keeping my own pace. I was not running against him. He was he was very angry. He was very angry, but he still had to speak through an interpreter because he was Italian. So he was very angrily speaking to an inter- interpreter, who then had to speak
1: very angrily to the American public. So it's like no. when Kyle
2: gets so angry that he stops
1: making sense, and we're just laughing and have to interpret. No, it's it's also yeah. sort of Kyle because when Kyle speaks normally, he sounds angry, but when Kyle gets angry, angry, get angrily, he sounds Italian. He sounds Italian, <laughs> but he speaks so posh as well, like mamma mia, the meatballs. <laughs> uh, don't it's,
0: uh, well. it's great this is the best part right uh, the the Italians derided Pilkington saying the rabbit is supposed to drop out of the race it's not fair and we're going to do something about it I mean it's not exactly fair that you got beat by someone who was running faster than you so you know yeah. Uh, wow. it said, it said Eugene Colombo of Pasadena what a name who served as Basagi's I hope he was a detective it said uh, Luca had no idea what was going on. Pilkins, Pilkington's agent, Bob Wood, came <laughs> back and retorted. So it was it was a fight between Eugene Columbo and Bob Wood.
2: <laughs> uh, Is
0: this a film? <laughs> it feels like it should be. Uh, but apparently, the, his agent said, you've got to be smart enough to know you aren't in first place. Hey man, get a brain. I know they give split times at this rate, race what these guys can't read either. Those comments are Bush League.
2: Oh, single American. <laughs> the, Ita- the Italians,
0: in the middle of a news conference, also criticized Anne Roberts, coordinator of, the, of Marathon Elite Athletes, uh, saying that Anne told us before the race that the rabbit would be dropping out after 25 kilometers, absolutely. From the back room, Roberts responded, I never said that. To which they said, Yes, you did. And then Roberts retorted, I never said that, it's not true. So at a press conference you had a you said this. No I didn't. Yes you did. No, you didn't. <laughs> at a fucking press conference for a marathon. <laughs> to be fair, if I was an Italian guy,
2: I'd be annoyed, man, with the press conferences as well. In a different language.
0: <laughs> it's great. And I love the fact it's the villain part is Roberts claimed that she never made the promise, and Pilkington never said he would. Never said he would have signed a contract containing that promise. In every race, the rabbit always has the option of staying in the race. Pilkington said it doesn't happen very much, but it's always possible. Hold on. So, How, however, <laughs> so he didn't Bradley, pay Henry
2: this that. either. So he didn't pay Henry this in any way. He was given three thousand pounds to do it, and then he just blitzed them and got the prize money as well.
0: Yeah. It's, it's says, dick. it says like It awesome says Pilkington, th- Pilkington yeah. 35 So he was 35 when he did it Eight. as well So he wasn't <laughs> a young chick Acknowledged that he has dropped out of each of the Five previous marathons he has won As a rabbit including twice in New York And last year But today after I did my job by getting out fast Nobody came after me he said Who won his first marathon in four years I couldn't believe nobody closed the gap I figured as long as I was out there and feeling good Why stop
2: So basically, he's like, if anyone was decent, I would have dropped out, but they were all shit, so I just thought I'd just win it.
0: Yeah. Uh, The the race was the uh, win running partner Ed Istone suffered a groin injury on the Friday. Istone. He had a he. he, uh, Istone, yeah. (laughs) Ed Istone. These names are fucking brilliant. They're like the fun mythology. Uh, Pilkington knew he had a chance at the 12000 bonus for winning the national title in addition to $15,000 prize money and the car. So he said, once I did what I was paid to do I knew I had a chance at more. I just got more and more relaxed and nobody seemed to be able to go with me. So, not only did he win, he get the £3,000 to be paid to compete in it, he also won fifteen thousand dollars prize money, a car, and twelve thousand dollars for winning the national title. <laughs> what a dick. <laughs> but what a pity, bro. Oh. How to be great. a legend
1: it,
0: it also said he he makes he made a living teaching troubled teenagers. He walked away from the Coliseum on Sunday worrying about making a, 10, a 8.30 AM writing class the next day. Unusual for winners of this race, he will keep the luxury car. It will replace a van that has nearly 100,000 miles. (laughs) So apparently the winners usually just sell the car and take the money and buy what they want. But he just went, no, I've gotten a free car. I'm just going to replace my van. That sounds like Kyle. Ooh. And apparently, that white glove he wore on his left left hand, his only apparent confession to fashion, he wears it not because of Michael Jackson, but because of asthma. An inhaler is stuck inside the glove. Not that he needed it Sunday, leading from start to finish, one as tends to breathe his he? Well. he was asthmatic as well. And he wore a one white glove, glove to hold his inhaler.
2: It in. was paid to not win a race. Absolutely fucking shit next to everybody.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: During the race, the photographers kept wanting to drive back from Paul and shoot the real runners, the marathon president said. By the 20 mile mark, it was great fun to find them and say, hey guys, guess what? The winner is really up here. Because <laughs> <laughs> they all thought he was going to drop out as well. So they didn't bother taking pictures of him until they realized at the 20 mile mark, he's still fucking running.
2: I have something else about races, Kyle.
0: Unless you've you've got more on there, tell me that you are finished. No, that's it. I just want to see if I can try and find a picture of this Paul Pilkington and see what he looked like while running it. Right. Uh, So, um,
2: Duncan Hamilton, a racing driver, right? James Duncan Hamilton, known as just Duncan Hamilton, was born on the thirtieth of April, nineteen twenty, in Cork, Ireland, right? On the 13th of May 1984 in Sherborne, Dorset, he died. But he was a British racing driver, and he was famed for his colourful and extrovert personality, which often overshad- overshadowed his genuine talent. After fighting in and surviving the Second World War, he took up motorsport. Right. He, although right. adept in single-seaters, sports cars were where he enjoyed the most success, uh, winning the 1953 24 Hours of Le Mans. Uh, the two Coupe de Paris events and the 12 hours international rem
0: race Um, sorry I'm just trying to load up the image but that's what he looked like (laughs) (laughs) he's literally got his second white glove which he doesn't need to hold his inhaler stuffed in his pants and he's just running as cool as a cucumber yeah yeah
2: he retired in 1958, ran a garage in Bagshot, Surrey, for many years, and died of lung cancer in 1994. However, there is one particular thing I want to tell you about. So, uh, he was born, uh, he fought in the Second World War. Um, when the war ended, he opened up a car garage. During the years between the war ending and, and the start of the 1950s, he started racing in local events, cut his teeth in uh, such pre-wars as the MJ Type R and the Bugatti Type 35B. After racing a Maserati 6CM in 1948, he graduated at the Talbot Largo Grand Prix car. Now, there is a lucky escape swap thing that says, on one occasion in 1947, he was transporting his MGR type to the Brighton Speed Trails. When going down a hill near Guildford, he's, he was quoted as saying, I saw a splendid honeycomb radiator of a beautiful Bugatti in my outside rear view mirror. So I moved over and waved it past, but the car hung back. Further down the hill, the Bugatti accelerated and drew level with me. At this point, I saw there was no one in it. The awful truth dawned on me. It was my own car, gathering speed fast. He'd forgotten that he was towing his Bugatti with him. <laughs> 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 I love so, it. Uh, Yeah, so he's, uh, The story ends with a lambo snap too. Um, a week after the 1953 Le Mans win, so this is another close call. Hamilton drove to Oporto to prepare for the Portuguese Grand Prix, held on the Circuit de Boa Vista. He was leading into the first corner of the race when he was when he crashed his Jaguar heavily, heavily into an electricity pylon. The Jaguar cartwheel, throwing him out of the car and into a tree. He hung there for about a minute before falling down on the side of the circuit. Barely conscious, he moved his legs out of the way just as a had raced by, nearly taking off his left boot with it. He was taken off hospital for an emergency operation, though medical facilities did not extend to anaesthetic. As the sur- surgeon leant over him, Duncan was mesmerised by the increasing length of his cigarette ash as it hovered above his open chest cavity. The accident cut off the power supply to the whole of a portal for several hours.
0: <laughs> for fuck's sake.
2: So a thought you made a blackout as well because of a crash. But anyway, uh, he went through his Formula 1 racing career. Uh, he won quite a lot. And then we'll get to Le Mans. He was best known for his success in the twenty-four of Le Mans endurance race, which he took part in nine times, most famously in partnership with Tony Rolt. The pair finished fourth at the first attempt in the 1950 race, sixth in 1951 both times in a special-bodied Nash-Healy Coupe Their Jaguar C-Type did not finish in 1952, but they returned with the C-Type to win in 1953. They were second with the Jaguar D-Type in 1954, losing to a much larger engine Ferrari V12. And by the narrowest margins, they came within two miles of victory. Uh, Hamilton having having... driven a storm and race in the closing stages to half the lead of the Scuderia Ferrari of Jose Freuland Gonzalez and Maurice Trin- Tringant. Uh, as the track was awash following a cloudburst, when the track started to dry out, the Ferrari hung on for a narrow triumph. They failed to finish in 1955. Right. So,
0: so he didn't really have much luck with any sort of Ferrari?
2: It, well, no, well, were, he was racing against the Ferrari, so when the Ferraris came with the bigger engines, the one was faster, but he nearly caught. So then we'll go on. He nearly caught one on his feet. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. I'm just upset uh, that he
1: classed
2: a jag. Jay, Jay's, Jay is going to love this because he's Irish. We're going to move on to alcohol in a second. But he drove jags as well. This Jay's <laughs> a hero. Uh, he won the rem 12-hour race with Jaguar D-Type to- co-driven by Ivor Book who uh, he shared a Le Mans appearance with in 1958 and failed to finish. Uh, the factory dropped him from the 1956 Le Mans roster for speeding up and passing teammate Paul Frere's car at REM when Lofty England, who's the team manager, had ordered the entire team to slow down and <laughs> switched to a Ferrari that year. In 1957, Jaguar did not enter Le Mans. Cars and equipment had been destroyed by a fire at the factory and Hamilton used his privately owned D-Type. So you have drove for Jaguar. He got fired from Jaguar for ignoring when his team boss said everyone slow down overtook his teammate. And he got fired. <laughs> and then the factory burned down, so he was like, well I've got the own D type, I'll just race this since you're not here. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm gonna to talk to you about the 1953 event, which was awesome. Hamilton famously won the 1953 event in a Jaguar C type shared with Rolt. Initially the pair were practicing for the for the race. In a Jaguar, that had the same racing number as another car on the circuit at the same time. So they were disqualified, right? So right. they had the same number as someone else, didn't realize, got disqualified. Uh, Hamilton's account has become a motor race legend. When Jaguar team manager Lofty England had persuaded the organizers to let them race, both drivers were already totally drunk in a local bar. England said, <laughs> of course I would never have let them race under the influence. I had enough trouble with them when they were sober. When the race was underway, <laughs> the team tried to sober Hamilton up by giving him coffee during pit stops. But after the <laughs> third after, but after <laughs> I'm nervous, anyway. Yeah. it gets better. But after the well, after the fourth pit stop he refused it, saying it made his arms twitch and he didn't like it. So instead he was given brandy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the alcohol must <laughs> I realized have realized that sober up wasn't gonna work. Let's like just get him
2: pissed again and hope yeah. for the best. The alcohol must have helped because he was struck in the in, face first with a bird at 130 mile an hour, and it broke his nose. Despite the bizarre circumstances, the duo went on to win the race and recorded the first 100 mile an hour average speed record at Le Mans, which was a record pace. Both England and Rolf have denied that they were drunk. (laughs) So they were totally shit-faced. He broke his nose on a seagull, broke the lap record, and won the race with his pissed teammate, and then went. No, it and also
0: said and, and also set the first t- first 100, over a hundred mile per hour thing.
2: Yeah, average
0: speed. So they brought
2: the average speed record, the lap record. That he broke his nose on a seagull. They were both totally pissed. Coffee didn't work sober and open, so they gave him more alcohol, and then he went. I wasn't drunk.
0: <laughs> That's one of those stories that your granddad tells you, and you're like. Nah, that can't be true. And then you like you see some news article the next day about it and you're like, holy fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've got a story for you, which is which goes along the lines of holy fuck. The tagline which I think we will all agree is amazing, is the incredible story of a lucky SR seventy one blackbird pilot. So the big giant X Men aircraft, which was made to be stealthy military missions. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he survived the disintegration of said Blackbird at Mach 3. Ooh. Oh, I will say,
2: Kyle, sorry. Uh, yeah. Just before that, uh, Earl Howe wrote in an original autobiography forward 1960 that the drivers of his age were fiercely competitive and friends to meet. The stories tell almost. Uh, certainly a party to be enjoyed. Duncan was a large in life character who was, wasn't just one of the most successful drivers of the 1950s, but also the man who trespassed twice in Brooklyn, spent the war in the fleet air arm, accidentally trying to drown American admirals, and who was one-stop for speeding whilst rushing to take part in a TV programme on road safety.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah <that> was <laughs> I didn't way. give a shit. <laughs> right, sorry. It's also sad. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um. The iconic. Uh, right. So, a blackbird. Can it's it's strategic for con for constant aircraft. It's meant to be stealthy, like I said. Is it so can fly the at Lockheed the SR? Is it SR twenty
2: one Lockheed?
0: SR seventy one. Seventy one. Um. Yeah, it's, it's a Lockheed. Yeah. It's the X in my mind, it'll always be the X-Men X-Men plane because it's in the first X-Men film. It, it is,
2: but it's annoying because it's not. D- we'll not get into that because the physics isn't good, but yeah, okay. I know
0: it's like a real, <laughs> film. I know it's a real plane, and I know it's like fantastic. Um, yeah, to fly it to fly the aircraft at 88,000 feet and Mach 3, the, icon- hmm. the iconic. Plane required air crews to wear a special silver pressure, silver yeah silver, uh, pressure suit to ensure their safety. This proved to be much useful during the time as the aircraft experienced several accidents at very high speeds and altitudes during its test flights. The protection provided by these suits was put to test on January 25, 1966, when Blackbird tail number 952 disintegrated mid-air during a systems evaluation flight. The mission was intended to investigate procedures designed to reduce trim drag and improve high Mach cruise performance. Basically improving its stability. Uh, yeah. It was, I like how it says it's driven. No, it's flown. It was flown by Bill Weaver with a flight test specialist, Jim Zwerer, in the back seat, and it took off from Edwards AFB at 11.20am. They refused... uh, They refuelled from another plane and accelerated to Mach 3.2 and climbed to 78,000 feet, which was meant to be their initial cruise altitude. Uh, The aircraft ended up trying to do a roll to the right, which caused an issue in... The right engine, which forced the aircraft to roll further right and start to go up. Uh, An inlet broke when a shockwave was rapidly ejected back outside of it. Uh, When it occurred, a device called the cross-tie system was enabled to minimise the extreme rolling and yaw. At the same time, the cross-tie system also restarted the good engine. So the system that was designed to help stop it from breaking down made it worse by turning off the engine that was working. Uh, he's the Weaver is quoted as saying I jammed the control stick as far left and forward as it would go, no response I instantly knew we were in for a wild ride. Since the chances to survive an ejection at Mach 3.18 and 78,000 feet weren't very good, Weaver and Zwer decided to stay within the aircraft to restore control in t- until they reached a lower speed and altitude. But The cumulative effect of system malfunctions exceeded flight control authority. Everything seemed to unfold in slow motion, even even if the time from event onset to catastrophic departure from controlled flight was only 2-3 to seconds. Weaver recalls that he was still trying to communicate with Jim, blacked out, succumbing to the high G-forces, and then the plane literally disintegrated around them. Uh, he re- he suddenly realized what was happening and said, "I could not have survived what had just happened. I must be dead." As full awareness took hold, I realized I wasn't dead, but somehow I was. Se- I had separated from the plane. I had no idea how this could have happened. I hadn't initiated an ejection. The sound of rushing and what sounded like scraps of straps flapping in the wind confirmed I was falling. But I couldn't see anything. My pressure suit's faceplate had frozen over, and I was staring at a layer of ice. Uh, At this point, the pressure suit proved effective protection for Weaver because once it was inflated, an emergency oxygen cylinder in the seat kit attached to the parachute harness was uh, functioning well. It not only supplied breathing oxygen, but also pressurized the suit, preventing Weaver's blood from boiling at the extremely high altitude. Uh, It'd it'd basically become a tiny escape capsule.
2: Yeah, so on the, the, you said boiling his blood there. Yeah. So it immediately reminded me of the, a thing which I've been looking for, but I found it. It's called the Armstrong limit. right? Yeah. Now, it's the reason. Obviously, you have to wear um, oxygen if you go above to avoid hypoxia if you go high, high altitude. Um, but yeah. um, the reason that you wear, uh, not necessarily a space suit, but the reason you wear a pressurized suit, in uh, non-commercial, so military aircraft and stuff, isn't for the oxygen, because you could do without that. It's for the Armstrong limit or the Armstrong line. It's a measure of altitude above which the atmospheric pressure is significantly low enough enough that water boils at the normal temperature of the human body. So if you cross the Armstrong limit, basically what happens is, obviously, the boiling point of water is 100 degrees Celsius. Uh, The higher you get The lower the boiling point becomes because it's less pressure. Right? Sorry. Yeah. I'm guessing there's less less pressure. I'm guessing
0: there's a point at which it just becomes like body temperature.
2: Yes. So that is what the Armstrong limit is. So it's about 63,000 feet. It's a pressure altitude. It's Mm. it's 63,000 feet. Uh, That is where the boiling point of water is the normal temperature, the human body. So. Uh, exposure to the low pressure, be- below- pressure below this limit results in rapid loss of consciousness, followed by a series of changes to the cardiovascular and neurological functions, and eventually death unless pressure is restored within 60 to 90 seconds. Um, so uh, the, so
0: this, the guy term, had, this guy should thank his lucky stars he was in a pressurized suit. <laughs> definitely. The term is named after
2: U- United States Air Force General Harry George Armstrong, who was the first to recognize the phenomenon. Now the effect it has on the body fluids at or above the Armstrong limit, body fluids such as saliva, tears, urine, and the liquids wetting the uh, al- 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 alveoli within the lungs, but not vascular blood within the circulatory system. So it's all your uh, it, liquids, so your yeah. tears, tear, sweat, urine, it's, that it's, a lot. It's
0: all it's all the thinner the thinner liquids, so not yes. the thic- thickness of blood, but the thinner ones.
2: Yeah would begin to boil away from the body without a full-body pressure suit and no amount of breathable oxygen delivered by any means will sustain life for more than a few minutes. The NASA Technical Report of Rapid Explosive Decompressive Emergencies in Pressure-Suited Subjects, which discusses the brief accidental exposure exposure of a human to near vacuum, notes that the subject later reported that his last conscious memory was of the saliva on his tongue beginning to boil.
0: Yeah. So I it's... like the fact that the, the, the love of making these reports have such long names that it's like a tongue twister trying to say them. Well done for not fucking yeah.
2: up. Yeah, yeah, I, I was concentrating. So at the nominal body <laughs> temperature of 37 degrees, water has a vapour pressure of 6.3 kilopascals, which is to say that an ambient pressure of 6.3 kilopascals, the boiling point of the water is 37 degrees. So that's it. it's at, at about 63,000 feet. It stuck sometimes start at about 62,000. Yeah. So there is a point where if you go high enough that you need to be in a full-body pressure suit because your, your blood will boil. And it's just amazing that they found it and they documented it and stuff and they know about it and then a guy accidentally got exposed to it. And it's just, yeah, his last conscious memory was of this of the saliva on his tongue beginning to boil. Imagine that. If you go, you're you just, you're going up, you're going up, you're going up, and then all of a sudden you feel the inside of your mouth starting to boil and you black out.
0: I wonder if the stomach acid would do that as well, because I wonder. So it's 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 exposed
2: to air, so it's initially it's yeah, it's your saliva, it's the, your tears, parts your urine, your sweat, exposed to air, and but,
0: the yeah. the moisture in your lungs. After that, yeah. it
2: would be stuff like your blood, your stomach acid, any liquids in your body.
0: Because yeah. I'm assuming it would sort of go like your tears and all that sort of stuff, and then mm-hmm. it would go to possibly your stu- your I don't know which one will come first. Your bloody stomach acid. I don't know which one's like more viscous and like probably has like a, the different boiling temperature. I'm assuming well, your stomach acid is probably more resilient. A bone, well, this, this is the thing.
2: So I think, is... I think your stomach acid's thinner than blood. If you go off like when you bring up bile and stuff like that, or maybe it isn't. Yeah. But it's in it's highly acidic and it's in pressurized environment anyway. It's further in your body, and yeah. I feel like it's a more resilient substance in general. I could be wrong. I
0: see. This is the thing, though, because if something's already in a pressurized environment, if you introduced a different pressurized environment, usually that completely fucks things up and causes chaos. Yeah, that's it. It's a low so pressure. I'm, so I'm wondering if it's a case of if you can do it at such a point where like, you change the pressure that's inside that stomach by so much, such as climbing to such a height, would it be the pressure at the height would cause the stomach to go first because it would be such a quick change in pressure? and your, your body can sort of regulate it, but your stomach is already at such a different pressure that it would completely cause chaos, or if it would be the blood first. Well,
1: um, it's It's so, all assuming... sort
0: of a question of rapid change of pressure within a small container, or still rapid but not as rapid equalization <laughs> pressure within a larger area type thing.
1: We've given Kyle, like... A... A food for Fortia, where he's going to start experimenting on his next victims.
0: <laughs> so my next torture project. My, my, what, my... what does
1: it take to vaporize stomach
0: acid? <laughs> my hypothetical for that, Kyle, was.
2: Um, right, sorry. Uh, my 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 thought process on that was: uh, if you are, like you said, if you're at a certain height, so what if you are in space and you got out of your space suit? You had an oxygen oxygen mask on. The theory being yeah. that you would still have oxygen so you wouldn't suffocate, but I don't think that would matter anyway because I think it's such low pressure as soon as you stand yeah. out, even without oxygen before you suffocate, Um, because it takes about three three minutes roughly to suffocate, isn't it? It's three minutes without air, uh, three days without water, three months, three weeks without food. Yeah, yeah it's, the rule of it's, three. it's
0: minute,
2: yeah. Uh, so even before then, I think pretty much instantaneously, you're body would start a boil. So I googled the hypothetical question, what would happen if you were in space without a spacesuit? And there's actually a thing. It says, um, talks about the spacesuits and there. During the spacewalk of Alexei Ivanov, uh, Levenov, Leonov, fuck's sake, Alexei Leonov in 1965, <laughs> an incredible event happened that almost cost him his life. His spacesuit had an essence, f- had in an essence failed and expanded in the vacuum of space. With some quick thinking, he managed to get back into a spacecraft and survive the mission. What would happen if he did not have a spacesuit at all? Um, since spacesuits do not have oxygen, you would probably think to hold your breath, however, it won't help. Um, no. It says, if you think of a vacuum cleaner you know, reducing air pressure by about 20%, which causes suction. By reducing the oxygen, it creates a higher pressure. In space, the gas has decreased significantly, therefore creates a vacuum. Without a spacesuit, all the oxygen would be immediately sucked out of your body and any oxygen that was left in your lungs and trapped would expand and rupture them. Um, Without air pressure, you will experience ebulism. Ebulism of the formation of gas bubbles in bodily fluids due to the reduced environmental pressure. Uh, which means that the pressure in the vacuum space is so low that the boiling point of fluids in your body is way below the body's normal temperature of 37 degrees. This results in the instant formation of gas bubbles in all fluids. Consequently, your body could swell to twice the size it is now, the same effect that divers face when coming to the surface, so the same as the bends but or decompression sickness. Um, scientists believe that you will not explode because your skin is very elastic. Um... And then, of course, it it does say that if you did survive past one or two minutes, which you wouldn't, then you would die of radio- radiation sickness because the radiation in space because you're not protected by the atmosphere. So yeah, yeah. Uh, if you stepped out of space, you basically you're right. You wouldn't suffocate. You'd swell up to twice your size and boil from the inside.
0: Right. Okay. Uh, I've I have googled uh, what is the boiling point of stomach acid because I was curious, and I'm getting a lot of stuff about hydrochloric acid. Well, it's very
2: similar, isn't it? It's very similar in It's,
0: it's meant it's meant to be very similar, and it's very apparently, uh, I'm just having a look now. Uh, the melting point is the melting point. Uh, yeah, apparently you can melt hydrochloric acid. I'm assuming you can turn it into a, a solid, solid and then melt it. Yeah.
2: Uh,
0: sorry, I'm just loading it up, but. Um, I'm just trying to I'm trying to answer my own question really I'm trying to see which which would go first I'm seeing if I can find out the um, boiling points whether it would whether it would be the blood or the the um what's the word stomach acid that's the one I just keep on getting a lot of stuff about uh, like acid reflux and stuff so I'm gonna search into it and I'll probably end up getting the answer at some point next week. Yeah. Um, for now, I'm going to continue on with the um, story because it does continue. Um, it's got a automatic bailout procedure, which was its parachute system, uh, to prevent body tumbling motions and physical injury due due to centrifugal forces. It was designed to automatically dispo- display, deploy, deploy, <laughs> not deploy, a small diameter stabilizing parachute shortly after ejection and seat separation. Since Weaver had not intentionally activated it, he thought that the stabilising chute might not have deployed, but he quickly determined he was falling vertically and not tumbling, meaning the little parachute did its job. The next concern was for the main parachute, which was designed to open O'Malley at 15,000 feet. So, a lot long way down. That's uh, a lot go. long way down. A very long way down. A lot <laughs> further Yeah. <down. laughs> uh, Again, he had no assurance the automatic opening function would work, so Weaver decided to open the faceplate to estimate his height above the ground, but as he reached for the faceplate, he felt the reassuring sudden deceleration of main parachute deployment. He was res—he was rescued by the owner of a ranch in northeastern New Mexico, who helped him with the chute, then reached Zuea, who had not landed too far away, uh, Mitchell returned a few minutes later, reporting that Zwea was dead. in fact he had suffered a broken neck during the aircraft's disintegration and was killed almost instantly. Uh, the investigation into the incident set, determined that the nose section broke off uh, yeah, it broken off after of the rear cockpit and crashed ten miles from the main wreckage. The resultant very high G-forces had literally ripped them both out of the plane. After this crash, testing with CG after normal limits was discontinued. And, yeah, they stopped doing all stuff. stuff. Uh, two weeks after the accident, Weaver was back in a blackbird. Yeah, why not? So he, his ship disintegrated around him. He got torn out. His co-pilot, or like the person he was flying with, got the neck broken instantly in the crash. And he after two weeks was back in a fucking blackbird he said it was my first flight since the accident so a flight test engineer in the back seat was probably a little apprehensive about my state of mind and confidence as we roared down the runway and lifted off I heard an anxious voice over the intercom Bill, Bill, are you there? yeah George, what's the matter? thank god I thought you might have left (laughs) the rear cockpit of the SR-71 has no forward visibility only a small window on each side and George couldn't see him. A big red light on the master warning panel in the rear seat had illuminated just as we rotated, stating "pilot ejected." <laughs> and so he's called cool, but a, a button. A big flashing red light appeared as he was pulling away, saying "pilot ejected." So he had to go. Are you still there? That's just me and Kyle flying the plane, and me just fucking off, going "nah, I'm
2: out." Kyle's a John.
0: <laughs> it is. <laughs> I mean, I was gonna say, I feel like in a plane you would feel like the motions and like the mechanical motions of it ejecting, but at the same time it's such a big plane. I'm not too sure if you would, especially if you had like turbulence from lifting off and stuff.
2: I will say though, the Blackbird it has long been my favorite plane. It's so fucking awesome. It looks like it is something beautiful. out of a Batman movie, and it does over Mach three. It doesn't just go to Mach three; it goes beyond Mach three, so yeah. three times the speed of sound. Uh, yeah, so you're at the top speeds like over three thousand mile an hour, isn't it? Oh uh, no, two thousand two hundred mile an hour, and it's just the, the this thing is amazing, and it's just to fly really high and really fast so that no radars can detect it, and if you do detect it, you can't catch it
0: and take pictures. And it's basically, yeah. I think it, I'm sure it's obsolete now because it doesn't act; they can't upgrade the stuff on it to be able to take yeah. proper stuff anymore. So in, now that we've got drones, it's basically obsolete. Have you seen the front? Like, a square-on
2: front image of one.
0: Yes, it's gorgeous. It it looks fucking
2: awesome.
0: Uh, while we're talking about sort so of uh, space and, like, really high up heights and everything, uh, I want to talk to you about video games. Before you do that,
2: sorry, before you move on, because I've I've just been having a quick look, and I've found ten, ten incredible facts about Lockheed. Right, right. Number ten was that it could not physically be shot down. Over the course of the SR seventy one three and a half decades of service, over one thousand missiles were actively shot at it, and not one made contact. The Blackbird had a very simple method for evading enemy anti aircraft missiles. It simply outran Quite them. Flying too high? No, it outran them. It was the only plane in operation capable do. of such high speeds and could and could cover and survey entire countries in a matter of minutes. Uh, of the thirty two, yeah. Of the 32 that were built, 12 were destroyed, none of them by enemy, uh, enemy fire. Um, no, they all broke up in the atmosphere, disintegrating. Yeah. What
0: is it amazing? It could just, they would say, oh, fuck, right, they shot it, we'll just outrun it. It's, it's amazing that a plane that disintegrated by itself during tests would never got shot down.
2: Yeah. Uh, also, um, to be a pilot, you had to work on... Oh, sorry, especially kind of person, in order to work on the aircraft, so not even be a pilot, workers had to be married between the age of 25 and 40 and had to go regular evaluations to determine that they were mentally stable.
0: It's basically like being an astronaut, yeah.
2: It's be it's because they said that working on such advanced machine requires extreme attention to detail and supreme focus and maturity. The lightest, the slightest of errors in maintaining the aircraft could lead to a catastrophe for the pilot, as well as anyone else involved in the plane's operation. Therefore, the U.S. Air Force will only allow those who have proven themselves to be worthy to work on the Blackbird.
0: That's mad. Yeah, it- it's basically like uh, like most the uh, space programs,
2: and then the flight suit looked like a spacesuit. Because is the yeah. pressure suit.
0: It had to. They were such oh. high. Amp- God, I feel yeah. like I feel like they were basically ne- Like, where does the our atmosphere end? Because I am sure I am sure there was some story where one of them nearly like he got very close to leaving because the he, it could go so high uh, well, so quickly.
2: It operates at around eighty thousand feet. Yeah. Uh I'm gonna have a quick look. Lim atmospheric limit. Uh is yeah, so on the earth the limit is around 18, 90 kilometers which is fifty nine to sixty two thousand above sea level. So yeah at above atmospheric air pressure belows uh drops below zero point zero six one eight or six point three KPA. So it it is the Armstrong limit that so sixty three thousand feet and they flo- flew routinely okay. in eighty. So oh, yeah.
0: So <laughs> they, it is technically a spacecraft. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um on on in its day the SL seventy one cost thirty three million per unit. Right. Uh, lots of technology was specifically invented for it. Uh but because it was made in the sixties, Kyle, and you're gonna fucking love this. Right? Yes. It was thirty three million pound plane. Uh Um, but because it was made in the 60s it was completely analogue the the, the cock screen the cockpit the cock screen the the cock screen is analogue so if you can (laughs) see now on my screen share a 33 million pound Mach 3 plane that flies out the earth's atmosphere totally analogue cockpit
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's just all dials it's gorgeous
2: uh, so one of them went mate your pilot's fucked off and he was like oh shit
0: <laughs> that's the thing, there wouldn't have been like a but there wouldn't have been he got one flashing red light, which is yeah. probably one of the tiny little red lights on the dash there. It probably wasn't <laughs> even something big. <laughs> yeah. I it love is, how many
2: dials bad. there were. And you've seen the that's the fucking flight suit.
0: Yeah, because there were both spacemen. do
2: you know what I mean it reminds us of? Um the bird out of Bioshock.
0: Yeah. I do feel like at some point, I know we've got the International Space Station and everything, if we ended up having two International Space Stations and you had to traverse between them, I do feel like it would just be a modified Blackbird. Yeah. Did you
2: see this? It needed to be refuelled immediately after takeoff. Because yeah. all things tend to contract and expand with variations in temperature, many panels of the SR 71 were made to be very loose fitting when cool temperatures. Because of this, the plane always leaked fuel when on the ground. It would be fueled before takeoff, leak everywhere, and then needed to be refueled once the plane heated up and the fuel cells properly sealed.
1: Because, and because things, I expand can guarantee heat. that. Yeah. I would like yeah. to point out I am not fat, I'm just extremely hot. Yeah, well. Yeah,
0: no, Jay, you can't use that excuse. I'm using that excuse. Although, I will, I will say... <laughs> Me and Kyle being I, that loose. I, I will be... yeah, I will be surprised <laughs> if there isn't a case of the landing strip getting caught on fire because its engine set the fucking fuel it was leaking on fire.
2: Dude. Just before being retired in 1990, it flew across the United States from coast to coast in 67 yeah. minutes, 47 seconds. Half the time of the previous round. Among its other records include an absolute speed record of 2,193.13 mile an hour, which it set on July the 28th, 1976, with only one engine.
0: Yeah, so in order to set an official record that the plane needed to fly in both directions... One of the Blackbird's engines stopped working at the beginning of the sec- of the second run, but according to pa- the pilot, by the time we'd gone through the checklist, we'd already passed the second gate. Still, we exited the gate at Mach 3.2. So it was doing Mach 3.2 on one engine. Yeah, so it was That's doing how three times
2: speed sound on one engine. <laughs> There I apologise for anyone
0: listening if you're not into your military stuff, but even you must be impressed by the fact that a plane that has two yeah. engines managed to do Mach 3.2 with one engine and set set records. And the pilot, the pilots used to set records for fun when yeah. they were getting retired because, fuck it, why not? Yeah. It's on the way to get scrapped, why not?
2: So this one here says on the same day, it also set the record for the absolute altitude, climbing the an astounding in 85,000. And sixty-six point nine nine seven feet above the Earth, so that's two thousand. There's twenty thousand feet outside the Earth's atmosphere. I'm reading.
0: Really. Yeah, one of the pilots got cocky and decided, "Fuck it, we're going to space." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so well, we've crossed the
2: fucking US in an hour. Uh, that's a right. Well, we'll just go to space now.
0: Yeah, why not? It's just, sorry.
2: You try to move on before. I let you move on now.
0: <laughs> it is. It's fine. Uh, so the thing that I'm talking about the. My topic for space. It's just a quick one. Nice and quick. It's to do with EVE Online. I'm sure everybody here will Uh, have had it advertised on YouTube. I (laughs) like the look of it, right? No. But there is a (laughs) mini-game in the game where players can help discover real-life exoplanets using data from the C-O-R-O-T telescope. The The Corrot. It's the Corot. Uh the so far players of the game have discovered 37 exo- real life exoplanets so it's legitimately being useful because there's a mini game in it which co- which gets data from an actual real life telescope looking for exoplanets and players are, pl- they know that gamers as has been found in many different studies we have excellent the excellent ability to unravel dna and do the weirdest shit. So so far, the gamers of Eve Online have found thirty-seven exoplanets in space that are real, because they played a mini-game, Ooh. which also leads leads to the fact: if you haven't heard of it, I didn't just say DNA for the for the fuck jiggery of it. There was literally a game that was it was implemented into a game. It was a DNA strand that people had to like it was like a sort of challenge you had to try and decode mm-hmm. and scientists couldn't figure it out they gave it to gamers and we figured it out in less than a week
2: <laughs>
0: yeah uh i never never say games are useless or people should stop playing video games it is literally the future of scientific research
2: i'm uh, i've got a tell another te- i've
0: got a telescope you want to talk about telescopes it was built Yeah, go on. Actually, yeah, you you go, because my next one's about an asteroid. It was built by the (laughs) French in 1900. Oh, no. Right? (laughs) It's the Great Paris
2: Expedition Telescope of 1900. Catchy name. It had Mm -hmm. an objective lens of 1.25 metres in diameter. It was the largest refracting telescope ever constructed. Uh, It was built to be the centrepiece of the Paris Universal Exhibition of 1900. Uh, Its construction was instigated in 1892 by Francois Deloncle, uh, a member of Francois
0: Deloncle. (laughs) Yes.
2: Uh, Since it was built for exhibit purposes within a large metropolis, its design made a difficult aim at astronomical objects. It was not suited for scientific use. When the year-long exposition was over, its builders were unable to sell it. It was ultimately broken up for scrap. The lenses are still stored at the Paris Observatory. They built this thing basically because they had the bit of scaffold that they're proud of, right? And they, they, do, they were going to do something with that. They were like, how do I follow this up? They were like, right, we need to repaint. So they painted this, the tip of the Eiffel Tower for some reason. Uh, and then they decided yep. to make the biggest telescope ever. And it was fucking huge. I don't know if you can see. In fact, trying to line my camera up with you. You see... Sorry, all the circles there are telescopes, and you see the
0: great outline. Yeah,
2: that's how big that was.
0: So basically, ten times the size of any other telescope in the world. So, so to put it into
2: perspective, if I can just find it on here because I did see it when I was looking. Uh, this little black dot
0: here, here. Move it away and then talk. <laughs> I can see it, but yeah, move it away, because your mic goes really silent when you put your phone up there for some reason. That's
2: it. That tiny little black dot is the Hubble Space Telescope. So that is the, the size difference of this thing. Um, It was so big, they built it and they couldn't point it at the sky. For fuck's sake. So it was kind of suspended in a massive tunnel. And then... Uh, They had to build a construction, like a thing, a set of mirrors basically on the front so that it would reflect.
0: Reflect. Reflect. Reflect, Reflect, okay.
2: uh, So that in a way that the telescope could see it. And the same, yeah, I found that, you know what debuted by Russia in the same event? Mm, What? Russian dolls. Of course. Which apparently people openly mocked because they were stupid and what was the use of them. But I know what's still about today. Yep. <laughs> and it's the, I love them. They're great. <laughs> so yeah, the French built a big-ass fucking telescope, but they couldn't even point at the sky. And then they couldn't sell it.
0: Uh, I want to talk about something that is fucking insane. It's an asteroid, yep. Uh, in March 1989... An asteroid passed through the exact position where Earth was only six hours earlier.
2: Ooh, so isn't buzzing? Sorry.
0: Brain. I'm
2: sure I've heard of this. And weren't there loads and loads and loads of meteor showers because of the dust trail of this asteroid? Because we passed through so soon after.
0: Yeah, um, the... It, I think so. It says it's a, it's a sub-kilometer-sized asteroid hmm. classified as a near-Earth object and potentially hazardous asteroid of the Apollo group because it makes close orbital passes with Earth. Discovered on the 31st of March 1989 by uh, astronomers, it was named after a Greek demigod of Keeling. Uh, it passed by Earth at a distance of... About 425,000 miles. Although this exceeds the moon's orbital radius, the close pass received attention at the time. On the cosmic scale of things, that was a close call. Uh, They estimated that the collision with it would release energy comparable to the explosion of of a 600 megaton atomic bomb. The asteroid was discovered nine days after its closest approach to the Earth. Uh, Subsequent discoveries revealed that a whole class of such such objects exists. Uh, Close approaches approaches by objects the size of it pass by every two or three years undetected until the start of computerized near-Earth object searches. Uh, On the 24th of March, 2051, so we're getting closer, 20 years, lads, uh, the asteroid will pass... Uh, 1 million miles from the Earth. It will be the 8th pass of less than 30 GM in this century. And it shows that the uncertainty region of the asteroid will cause it most likely pass from 0.02 AU to 0.17 AU. So basically, they've got no idea exactly how far away it's going to be. It's going to be a million
2: miles away,
0: though. But it looks like it's getting... Further away oh. every year because when it's, when when it's one million miles from Earth it's zero point zero one two three a u so it is increasingly getting further away every year yeah so crisis crisis averted people, but yeah. there are asteroids that seemingly come close enough to scare scientists apparently I would like to
2: offer a chance for us to stop being nerdy. And for me to bring Jane Jordan back into this with some more poo, and then loop back... Oh, for fuck's sake, we've talked about shit. i found a caterpillar. Right, just imagine you're a caterpillar, right? Now, when a caterpillar poos, right, and that can attract predators. And that's bad if you're a caterpillar, because they're not very defensible. Maybe some of them are poisonous, but... Right. So you don't wanna They don't have. they don't have massive defenses. So the last thing you want as a caterpillar <laughs> is to have a poo, and if you right next to you and a predator smell it and go, Well, I'm gonna come and eat you. So uh skipper caterpillars, right, have a a flap below the hole, Right? Right. Um and they build up the poo onto the flap and then build up blood blood pressure and fling the poo away.
0: I was—I thought you were going to say they sort of hang off the edge and just shit off the edge of the leaf, which sounds much simpler. So,
2: I'm going to start with the 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 start. Well, the start of the sentence is somebody's job title, which is evolutionary uh, phycologist. <laughs>
0: uh, oh God,
2: Martha Vice, uh, Of Georgetown University of Washington D.C., began collecting skipper caterpillars to observe how they build leaf houses. That is until she heard a plink, plink, plink coming from the plastic shoe boxes that she kept them in after observing the caterpillars, <laughs> ballistically eject grape nut sized pellets of excrement known as frass. So caterpillar shits called frass. Uh, she decided to investigate. So she found out that old caterpillars shoot at the furthest. And that she found one made 153 centimetre expulsion, right, uh, which based on the caterpillar size is the equivalent of a 76 yard field goal in football. So for the size, I've worked this out. Right. Uh, the average, right, so the average length of a double-decker bus, so your typical uh, route master double-decker bus is 30 feet, right? All right. Uh, 76, um, where's that? 76 yards, right, Um, is 228 feet. So divided by 30 is the equivalent if a human thrown their shit 7.6 double-data buses in length.
0: So it's like an Olympic shot put record.
2: It's beyond the Olympic shot put record.
0: <laughs> the shit put. <laughs> the shit put. <laughs> I'm surprised that hasn't been done yet. What, the shit, shit put? put. Uh, don't.
1: <laughs> don't get um, Stefan started into inventing new sports... Last time you tried. And... We can have loads of new no, sports. No, last time uh, Stefan went on and invented new sport, he wanted to catapult disabled people in wheelchairs. I didn't want to catapult yes. them, I just wanted to use a
2: catapult like object. Device. Like <laughs> what you would use to launch a plane off an aircraft carrier, just to help them compete in things such as the long jump,
0: the oh, high a slingshot. Jump. Well, I had a catch plan as well. It it is basically a slingshot. It's just two. It's a just bit. two two bits with an elastic bit that just slings them forward. Well, yeah,
2: but it's, it was going to be controlled. I wasn't just going to like fling them and see what happened. Were well, you going to have a net at the end? I don't know who a net is. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> uh, and, and and I know this is totally unrelated, but I heard about uh, some men who decided to. There's a group of men who were retired decided to travel around and have one drink in every pub in the UK. Uh, they've done all 3,000 or something in Wales, right? Uh, yeah. And then they've done a few hundred in England, and then uh, one of them died, another one was ill. They stopped doing it, and I was like, we could do this. We're young. Jesus took his headphones off. He can't yell.
1: <laughs> I had an itch. I had an itch. Hello.
2: Hello. <laughs> so I thought, I thought, we're young. They've started when they're retired. We could do this. Right? We could do right. this. Right? And I was like, Kickstarter right here, yeah, fund it. We're going to go and have a drink in every pub. In then one I Googles, day. How many pubs are in Britain?
0: Is it something ridiculous like a thousand well, per it, county?
2: It, well, it's a little bit more than that. As of 2019, there were 47,200. <laughs> Right. Okay. <laughs> How long would that take? Well, that's the next port of call was forty seven thousand two hundred divided by three hundred sixty five days. So this is assuming we can visit one pub every single day, including Christmas Day. Right. It will right. take one hundred twenty nine point three years.
1: We cannot. We can um, make it a lot more go a lot faster if we go to one pub, go to every single pub in one county in one day. Because cow doesn't would drink. Would also be Carl very be inebriated. Des- Ca- needs
0: and not able to drive to the other places. Like I could drive, but it would be me driving permanently. Yeah, <laughs> you'd have to. <laughs> One
2: hundred and twenty-nine years, man.
0: Fuck's sake! Challenge accepted. Could we? <laughs> Hold on a second. Some of them's
2: going to close down because of COVID anyway. I mean, if like Hold forty thousand that-
0: them closed down, we're going to There's, there's four of them, right?
2: Yeah.
0: So each of what, one of what takes the north, one of we takes the south, one of what takes the east, and one of what takes the west, and we'll meet in the middle.
1: That's on. But me and Stefan having a me and Stefan and John having a drink in every single pub in the UK.
0: I think what cla- what would class for the record as having a drink? Cause if it's one just pint. like oh you've had oh you've had a sip of beer, then that's fine. No, what's actually. Oh, then I can't. put... on no, 67... <laughs> Right, hold on. Sixty-seven point 8,
2: eight nine. For... Sixty-seven.
0: <laughs> <coughs> Divided by. Stephen's doing
2: maths. Forty-seven
0: thousand two hundred. While Stephen's doing maths, uh. Right. So there is there is a color called Vanta Black, which is exclusively set. owned by Anish Kapoor, and nobody else is allowed to use yeah. it. So, yeah. as revenge, Anila artist created the Pinkest Pink, which everyone is allowed to use, apart from Anish.
2: Yes, no. So, yes. Yeah, so the the Pinkest Pink, uh, this Anish said nobody's allowed to use it, and then he said, "Well, you're not allowed to use this but everyone else can." So you could you could never paint the paint with the blackest black and the Pinkest Pink, but uh, BMW did do a car Vantablack. So I'm assuming he let someone else use it, or well, he let BMW use it. But it's incredibly hard to create, yeah. anyway. Um, yeah. Kyle, I've just worked yes. out there are sixty-seven point eight nine million UK residents in the UK. Right. right? That's the current populace. Yeah. Uh, yes. And there are forty-seven thousand two hundred pubs. Right? Yes. So, if every single person in the UK all went to a pub at the same time, there would only be 1,438 people in each pub. That's not much. <laughs> There's a pub for every 1,500 people.
0: I mean, I do That just sounds like an Ashington night out. <laughs> oh,
2: 1,048 people in a pub. <laughs> Have you ever seen bubbles? <laughs> yeah, people are usually stuck in the ceiling because it's that mangy. hmm. <laughs> all right. I, swear I tell, every time I go to bubbles, I tell the DJ it's John's birthday, he gets annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
0: yeah, it's always good laugh.
2: Yeah, it is.
1: Jordan, um, it's currently muted. I think it's muted. What? <laughs> Don't you have anything you want to talk to us about?
2: I'll do it next week. I'm too tired. That's the spirit.
1: Oh. I
0: do have one more thing. <laughs> Jordan did have a topic, but I feel like it might get me fired, so I said maybe find something else. <laughs>
2: yeah, it's,
0: I, I was annoyed, right.
2: but it's, yeah, okay. Uh, I do. Have... I mean, it's
0: it's just it's just because it's to do with a British school. If it was like another country school, it's fine. But I think because it's so close to home, because it's literally a Northumberland, oh. it's a Northumberland school. So,
1: it's not
2: the one I thought of.
0: It's very close to me. <laughs>
1: You're not fair, is uh, that's not Kyle. the topic that
2: Jordan sent me. Yeah, it's not the topic he sent me either, so he might just sent all different things to gain the gauge, so that nobody knew what he was talking about, which is quite a good tactic.
1: This is where Jordan tells us yeah, that he signed well, us all up to a credit club and we all have to go.
2: Yeah, that's not what he said to me either.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, no, well,
0: he didn't say, he didn't tell me that.
1: Okay, what did he send you? He sent Kyle a school. What did he send you? He sent Kyle a school. He sent you a This is like thing. a game.
2: Yeah, <laughs> he sent he sent me about basically uh, an American being a clot. Right
1: okay. He, he didn't send anything about me about cricket. He sent me something about he sent me something about pregnant um not giving yourself a yeah. for pregnant woman.
0: Yeah, so so, hold on a second, you sent those two something about pregnant women. <laughs> I got sent at school. Yeah, well, you were the school person. <laughs> what's the What's the pregnant thing then? This is next week. <laughs> hold on a second, I need to double check through John's messages and see if he sent me the thing to do with pregnant women. Did you send him a John? He
2: did send it did he you. Did you? When?
0: Uh, oh yes, yeah. yeah. That was that was yesterday. Yeah, yeah, it's not the one you sent us today. It's the one. Yeah, okay, never mind. You can talk about the one you sent us yesterday. If no, next mean. week. Next week, okay. I get the feeling all of us may get a slap if we end up to, if we end up going one way or the other. I mean, know so. <laughs> nobody,
2: nobody's gonna go that way. So I wouldn't worry about it. That's not yeah. how we were brought up. Uh, anyway, no, we were brought up as gentlemen, Kyle. Yes. What is your favorite S number in the world?
0: My favourite what? Number. 88. Really? It's the one that I use for football and racing and all sorts, because I just like it. It's the infinity sign times two. Yeah, I well, know, but I didn't think <laughs> it was your favourite number. I, even numbers? I don't really have a favourite number. I just like even numbers, but 88 is, like, a really nice one.
2: What about a number that starts with the six? What, 666? And why do you like
0: that number? Because uh, it's nice and even, and it's also the number of the beast. Why? Because it's, it's not! I know it's not to... the number of the beast. I know it's not the number of the <laughs> yeah. beast. You, every, everybody knows it's not actually the number of the know, beast, but it is, so but it's annoying. not, but it is, but it's not. But it's not.
2: So, uh, there's been loads of things uh, around the superstition of this. So, in 1989, Nancy and Ronald Reagan moved to a home in Bel Air in LA and after the 1988 election, he had his address uh, number 666 uh, St. Cloud Road changed to 668. Um, The address of uh, Chicago's American Furniture Mart building was changed by its new owner from 666 to 680. Uh, Route 666 in New Mexico was changed to US Route 491 and a New Mexico spokesperson said the devil's out of here. We say goodbye and good riddance. Uh it's talking about all the kind of things The, the Omen uh, was released The remake was released on the 6th of the 606 um, It's obviously in cult fiction End of Days, Final Destination Phantom of the Opera, Iron Maiden's song Number of the Beast um, yeah. Most women expressed serious concern about giving birth on the 6th of June 2006 because it was 6606 um, November 2013, Cody Thacker, a cross-country runner at Whitley County High School in Williamsburg, Kentucky, refused to run in her Kentucky High School Athletic Association regional meet, forfeiting a chance to qualify for the state championships
0: when her coach drew Bimble by
2: 666.
0: Um, Jay, that's too blurry to read, but I, I think I sort of unders- I can read a tiny bit of it. As, but
2: basically, there's loads. Anyway... Um, Oh, in October 2017, flight AY666 from Copenhagen to Helsinki departed for the last time before being renamed AY954. Since 2006, the flight had been scheduled on Friday the 13th on 21 occasions. The Finnish spokesperson said that the number had not been named, renamed due to superstitious passengers. I bet. Um, but, basically, it's because it's in the Bible and everything, and when it's translated... Um, in Greek numerals, the three numbers represent 600, 60, and 6, so 666. Uh, the Book of Revelations in the New Testament is all written in English translations as 666. So that's what everyone knows it as. But Papyrus 115 is the oldest preserved manuscript as, of the Revelation was discovered in 2017. And it gives the number of the beast in Arabic numerals, which translates to 616, not 666. So everyone's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and papyrus one fifteen, the revelation of the sixty-sixth volume of oxyrhynchus oh, rin- uh, as the number of the beast as six one six. Ox oxy ri- ri- ring- I think that's the word. So yeah, so there's and uh, there's so much art and pop fiction pop pop fiction. I've just made word up, haven't I? Pop culture, that's because I've read Pulp Fiction.
0: Um, Pulp Fiction's probably a real thing, honestly.
2: (laughs) Yeah, but there's so much in um, uh, pop culture and in art and in history and in poems and in films and in everything. uh, Historically, that 666 is the number of the beast, it's bad, it's evil, it's the demonic number. And it's not, it's 616. We just hadn't found a bit that's over that yet. Fair do. I don't know if Jay's talking to us, but he's silent. Yeah, no, Jay's completely silent.
0: silent. (laughs) Jordan's muted for a reason, but. No. Plug in.
2: Thank you, plugs. He's (laughs) Uh,
1: Hello. Hello.
2: It was all wrong. Hello, we can hear you now.
1: Bye. Hi. Right, in China, they have a thing called a Chinese internet slang. Which refers to various kinds it's which, 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 which refers to various kinds of internet slang used by people of, Ch- of Chinese internet it is often coined to in response to events the influence of mass media and phone culture and desire of users to simplify and update the Chinese language. Slang that first appears on internet so often adapted to become current in everyday life it includes content within to all aspects of social life mass media economics and political uh, topics. And that, like the Internet slang, arguably is the fastest changing aspect of the language, created by a number of different influences, technology, mass media and foreign culture, among others. The categories given below are extensive mixed terms of 2000. Now, used to distinguish the difference of Chinese Internet slang. Some phrases may belong in more than one cult, um, category. It's, it's what Kyle said. It's um, new ones. And basically, in China, six hundred sixty-six is you're doing you're doing amazing, sweetie. That's what it means in China on Chinese internet. You're doing amazing, sweetie. I didn't know that Kyle used to call me sweetie
2: so
0: much. <laughs> and seven 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 is basically just one better than that. It's it's like saying you're doing amazing, but you're doing really good because. Isn't it meant to be like it's the Chinese for six 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 means smooth or slick? Slick, brick? Like your hair again. <laughs> 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 Alright. But anyway, we'll um we're gonna wrap it up here. Yeah. We'll probably talk more about the oh, Chinese sweet. numerisms next week because I do find them interesting. Jay's brought it to my attention and it does look really good because basically there's a shit ton of shortcuts and numerisms and stuff. That nobody else seems to use. Yeah. So we might do a bit more on it next week. But thank you very much for listening. It has been a pleasure. Uh, we did go a little bit, sort of. I don't know. It was weird and wonderful things that have happened in sports, and then it went into space, and but what also had a bit of podium and stuff. Well, I, will, so we I hope will, you've enjoyed. I
2: will say that when we did no very first go. start this podcast, it was just we talk so much shit. <laughs> uh, we should record it and that's what it's been it's just been one of our random calls through to... the internet that we used to have that yeah we have, talked so much shit.
0: <laughs> we have talked so much shit that
1: includes actual shit Yeah, this yeah. time, we might be featured in a museum and we
0: we're
1: featured in a museum <laughs> the
0: can you imagine if we got featured in a museum <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah
0: we'll definitely be in
2: a museum at some point but it'll not be for the right reasons
0: no, definitely not. <laughs> anyway, thank you very much for listening, everybody. It has been a pleasure. Jay will do the whole spiel. Ah, oh, why but do I have to do spiel? Spotify, because you are the only one who can know. actually remember it. You, you know, follow, go to takenoffair.com to find us. All of our little bits and pieces. And links. We've got episodes up. We've got episodes up there. We've got shops. We've got links to everything that you could possibly need. We've got Facebook. We've got. Do we have Instagram? I'm sure we've got Instagram. Yeah, we've, got Instagram. we've got Instagram. We've got we've got Instagram. We've got Twitter. Check them all out. We've got our actual website with links to everything. But you can also find us on Google, whatever the podcast thing for Google is. I'm sure there's a Google thing because that's what I found.
2: Hale, the Google podcast. Kyle, uh, <laughs> you can Google find us anywhere that you normally listen to podcasts. We're on everything. Yes, we are multi platform.
1: Ask your even ask your smart device to listen to us because ask your spirit if guide if you're
2: astrological you'll be able to find them there as well.
0: Yeah, if you're that daring. One day we'll, we will we'll be on the radio with our own radio station, just so we can fuck up your day even more. That will, yes, one day we
2: will, and the next day the radio station will be shut down.
1: <laughs> Sorry. welcome to take it off, uh, first episode of Why, Are we Good? Why is there a police outside? All
2: right, let's wrap it up. Before Jay has to leave.
1: So, uh, yep. I my Chinese came, so I'm going to have some Chinese. Ooh. What, what, the
2: police brought you Chinese?
1: <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just using <laughs> expressism to... To like say what would happen. Anyway, as Kyle says, yeah. just go to a website, takenoffair dot com. Just, just look. Just use your eye. You, 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 have the ability to read. Just, use your eyes and read the description search. of every single episode. Jay, Jay, read the description Jay, Jay, of Jay, a, of Jay. a podcast. Everything's there. Jay.
0: Jay. What? Just just search Taken Off Air podcast. What if and a blind
2: person it. is listening to me? You're just saying just use your eyes. You
0: can read. We will send you a
1: braille version of our social media oh, lessons <laughs> with a freddle. <laughs> I do not want to make
0: a braille book anyway. Oh, f- but yes, we'll finish there. Thank you very much for listening and goodbye from these four idiots. Yeah, and
2: thank you to everyone that supports me in various ways. Yes. We'll see you next week. It is
0: always good. Yeah, we'll see you next week.